Hello, and welcome to Shir Jashub, the radio Bible study ministry of Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle, located in Madison, Connecticut. My name is Patty Scalzo, and today my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will be continuing our discussion on heavenly authority. Today's program is an especially important and timely one because it solidly answers the question why those in authority need to be spiritually pure and uncorrupted. Now let's go into the study. In our last program, we were analyzing the transgressions of those called the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. Let me read from verses 1 to 3. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. And we saw that these sons of God were those who called on the name of Yahweh, those to whom the word of God came. They were the preachers of righteousness in their day, who were surrounded by a corrupt generation. They are identified with the lineage of Adam through Seth to Noah, as opposed to the lineage of Adam through Cain. And though they were, in a spiritual sense, seated up in heavenly realms because of their high calling, yet they became guided by their flesh and by their desires. They saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. They were believers in Yahweh, marrying unbelievers. The daughters of those who were in the tradition and example, and possibly the lineage of Cain. Today we want to start by examining the phrase in verse 2, they chose. We saw back at the beginning of our series, when we discussed Adam and Eve, how extremely important marriage is, and that God must be involved in the choice. But these sons of God chose, and chose only by the eye. They saw the beauty. And not only that, Greg, but it says in the New King James that they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose, or as the Jerusalem Bible puts it, so they married as many as they chose. That's right, Patty. Let's look at some important facts. First, the line from Cain in chapter 4 of Genesis closes with a description of Lamech, who marries two women. Verse 19 says, Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the second was Zillah. So Lamech was a polygamist. That's right. We also notice that there is an emphasis and re-emphasis by God in Genesis chapter 6 and 7 on pairs of animals, two of every kind, a male and his female. Now we know in today's world, in nature which has been corrupted, that many animals no longer made as a single pair for life. But apparently this was not God's will in the beginning. Moreover, only Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. We are told he was a righteous man who walked with God and found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And the Genesis account clearly states that Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, 
we read that it was eight souls who were saved. And Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, we read again that God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So, Greg, it is abundantly clear that Noah and each of his sons had only one wife. Exactly. That's the only way it adds up to eight. But it does not seem to be so for the other sons of God at that time. The scripture says they took wives for themselves of all that they chose. Anyone they found beautiful, they could have as a wife. And it would seem that the corruption and wickedness of the antediluvian people included gross polygamy. The original marriage friendship was destroyed in the society of that day. And the religious, the sons of God, became likewise corrupted, though they knew better. Remember, in our last program, we showed how long Adam's lifespan was relative to the entire period before the flood. They had first-hand testimonies of how God had meant things to be in the beginning. But they didn't do what they knew was right. The result, the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. These men showed themselves to be from below, though their calling was from above. They chose to be of the dust when God wanted them to be his sons. And this was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was an indication of how great the wickedness was in that generation. And there, Patty, is the point we've been working towards as it relates to our study of authority. When those in spiritual leadership and authority become corrupted, punishment is soon to fall on a society. When those who are called to be a city on a hill, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, when they no longer preserve a society and make it thirsty for the light of God's word, but instead themselves become contaminated by the darkness, then hope is gone and all that's left is a terrible expectation of judgment. We see this repeated over and over in the Old Testament. As the leadership, the priests and elders and kings corrupted themselves, defeat and exile were close at hand. In the New Testament, the continued rejection of Jesus and his disciples by the Jewish religious leaders led to the Roman conquest in 70 AD and eventually to Israel's dispersion. When those in spiritual leadership and authority become corrupted, punishment is soon to fall on a society. When those who call on the name of the Lord act just like those who don't know God, then judgment is near for that people. And there is a corollary to this. Those in spiritual authority have been given much from God and have great responsibilities. If they deny or turn from the way, great is the punishment. Patty, could you read to us from Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 48? In Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 48, Jesus says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch, 
or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us, or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will, and did not prepare himself, or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For every one to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. In this scripture, the Lord warns all his people, his servants, to be watching and ready for his return, and gives them a beautiful description of their reward. But when Peter, an apostle, asks Jesus, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? The Lord goes on to make a distinction between the steward, the manager, who the master puts in charge of his servants and the other servants. He makes it exceedingly clear that those he has placed in spiritual authority have an even greater responsibility. They are to give the spiritual food at the proper time to those they are over, to keep the church ready. But if they abuse their position and use the people of the Lord for their own benefit, and if they do not prepare themselves and do not do what the Master wants, though they know His will, great is their punishment. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Greg, the application to the Christian church today is clear and does not need much elaboration. I think back to the scandals that so hurt the evangelical movement about a decade ago. And even more importantly, we have all seen the decay among Christian leaders from many denominations, which has gone on for many decades, as ministers of God belittle the Lord's salvation, the scriptures, and the truth of His return. And because of this fall from faith, many churches have become cold tombs with souls starving for spiritual food. And Patty, there is an implication for the American society as a whole, a country blessed by God as a world leader which in so many ways is quickly becoming a haunt for every foul and unclean spirit. As for the sons of God in Noah's time, rather than changing the ancient world, they were instead changed and corrupted. The end result, their offspring and the whole antediluvian civilization sank to depravity, 
and the world they knew was destroyed. It was as though God was saying, I let you live 500, 800, even 900 years and more, and still you didn't change. Now I will strive with each person no more than a maximum of 120 years. For when I am merciful and give you more time to seek me, you only use it to go further away. We would love to hear from you, our listeners. I know in today's unbelievably busy world, it is difficult to find the time to write, but your words of encouragement are greatly appreciated. Also, if you feel prayerfully led of the Lord to help support the Church Fellowship Outreach of Shir Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, your donations would also be greatly appreciated. Please send all correspondence and make out all donations to Shir Jeshub Christian Tabernacle. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B Christian Tabernacle Post Office Box 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 Once again, that's Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle Post Office Box 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 And if you are going to be in the Madison, Connecticut area I would like to invite you to join us for Sunday service. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning for Bible study, praise, worship, and the Lord's Supper at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Town Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go down to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. We are in the yellow brick and white building. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shear Jashub.